And uh, let's read that out loud and on purpose. It says, the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Can we read it again? The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. So we've been asking the question, do you really care? Do you really understand what it means to care in a biblical sense? Um, Go to Job, the 42nd chapter. Job chapter 47. And um, look at verse 6, and we'll start our reading there. Um, And again, remember, I I shared with you to start out on Sunday talking about the fact that, you know, Life can be going along real smoothly, uh, or maybe you know, maybe you're not having any major hiccups or major adversities. You know, you're paying your bills, you're going to work, you're coming home, you're eating, you're coming to church, you're mowing your yard, you're doing all this different thing, and life's just kind of moving along. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, tragedy hits. Just here um, on Monday morning, most of y'all probably know one of our ushers, August Mayo, died suddenly. Um, I have no doubt that Juanita never thought that uh, this week she wouldn't have her husband with her. But things can happen, what, suddenly. Um, you, you don't have to be looking for, you don't, you don't have to be doing anything wrong for those things to happen. Now, can you imagine that if, if, if your child suddenly died, if your husband or wife suddenly died, if, you know, uh, you know, if, you know, if you suddenly lost your job or all those things can happen. And so when, when those events occur, guys, we have to be ready as a body of believers to step up and to show that person who's hurting, that person who's going through that turmoil that we really care and we know how to care in the biblical sense. Okay. All right. So, so those type things happen. Uh, also I was, I was reading, um, in, uh, the Christian post, which, uh, as a magazine that deals with Christian issues, and they were, they were sharing this article about this mega church pastor in Inland Hills. Uh, in, it's called Inland Hills uh, uh, Church there in uh, in uh, Chino, California. This guy is 30 years old, a pastor. Uh, took over for his dad. His dad was the pastor of this, of this mega church. Uh, his dad was 55 years old and died of cancer. Uh, and the son had been. Uh, I think the, the dad died in 2015. The son had been pastoring since then, but the son had, um, you know, it, it was it was a it was a precarious situation for him as far as how he thought about uh, the pastoralship and everything. Uh, but this pastor, who's 30 years old, pastoring a thriving megachurch, finances growing, attendance through the roof, and the, and the pastor committed suicide. Committed suicide. 30 years old had a, had a wife and three kids. But he was suffering through anxiety and depression um, and, and, and couldn't get out of it. And, and so he took his own life. As a matter of fact, uh, the article was talking about the fact that uh, uh, he tried to take his life at, at the church and uh, Friday and then I guess didn't succeed in, uh, at home or wherever. He took his life uh, and, and did not, uh, uh, didn't even successful that time. But again, I thought about that here, uh, this guy is passing the church and you would think that, you know, things are going well, but because of what was going on internally. And sometimes we don't know. I told you before, sometimes we don't know that people are struggling because, of you know, sometimes we're looking at the outside and sometimes people don't show that that outward struggle. This this particular guy uh, began to you know face depression, anxiety attacks and all kinds of things because. Uh, you know, first of all, he missed his dad. Uh, his dad was shepherding that flock, the founder of it, and was very instrumental in the growth of the church. So he was thrust into that role. And a lot of pastors, I'm telling you, a lot of pastors suffer with depression and anxiety because when you're dealing with people, having to pastor people of, of different, different backgrounds, different uh, little idiosyncrasies and ways and habits and stuff, it can be a chore when you're integrated into the lives of people. So what we have to do is recognize that that even when we are facing something like that, that that God is our comforter, like we talked about on Sunday, and we'll talk about it a little bit tonight. So, uh, and there are a lot of pastors who are, who are suffering through depression, and so uh, so pray for people, 
Pray for your fellow Christian. You never know what people are going through, okay? So what we want to do is be able and be equipped to show that we really care when we are interfacing with people and have an opportunity to go a little bit deeper with them. So uh, Job, the 42nd chapter, uh, and let's look at uh, um, verse number 6. Job 42, verse number 6. And the text says, I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. This is Job talking, okay? And he says, his next verse says what? After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. All right? Next verse says what? So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Now remember uh, these guys and again we didn't read all of the passages of scripture on Sunday morning because it would have taken us a lot of time to go through all of Job but the, but the crux of the matter was is Job, as we oftentimes say, was picked out to be picked on. Job was identified by God to the enemy, the devil said, have you considered my servant Job, right? And so when the enemy began to attack, you know, again, he lost his children. He lost all of his, his wealth and his body was attacked. Uh, and uh, yet Job never charged God foolish. Now, Job was feeling a certain kind of way. He went, he went through a period where he was, I mean, he just, he just you know, if, if, you, if you lost your, your children, you lost your, your business. Job was a very wealthy man, guys. He was in, in an agrarian economy. He was a, a farmer. He raised cattle, and he, he was very wealthy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was greater than all the men in the East. Yet, all of that stuff was taken away from him. And again, if you can just imagine where you are right now, maybe you're not the wealthiest person in Louisiana. <laughs> Probably none of us are. <laughs> I would venture to guess, unless, unless we got some undercover millionaires in here, you're not the richest person in Louisiana. I, I, I'll go out on a limb and bet right now. If I were a betting man, nobody at EBC is the richest person in Louisiana, unless you're just really fooling me. <laughs> Somebody said, not yet, not yet. By, by faith, huh? by faith. I'm, I'm talking about you know, now, now. But, but, but just imagine where you are right now. If you were to lose your home, lose your car, all your children died in one day. Your body was attacked. How would you respond? How would you actually feel? Would you still be saying, blessed be the name of the Lord? Would you, would you, real, would you still be praising him? Job went through some things, but again, his friends were under the impression that Job was going through some of this stuff because of some sin that he had committed. And what I've told you before, and I'll tell you it again, uh, we live in a fallen world, and you don't have to be doing something wrong to have adversity strike at your house. Are you listening to me? So the text said, let's keep reading. Look, look at the next verse. It says this. So Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite, did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord, and the Lord accepted Job's Prayer. Now look at the next verse. It says what? When Job prayed for his friends, watch this, the, the Lord restored his fortunes. Let's read it out loud on purpose. When Job prayed for his friends, the friends who had been talking about him, the friends who had a wrong impression of Job's integrity. Because the Bible said Job was an upright man. He shooed evil. He shunned evil. Right? He, he was not purposely on purpose practicing sin. He wasn't a perfect man, but he, wasn't, he was not purposely going out doing stuff and knowing it was wrong. And yet they came to him and falsely accused him. So it says when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, watch this. The Lord gave him twice as much as before. Look at verse 11. Let's read. It says what? Then all his brothers... Sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him 
And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. Wow. Look at verse 12. Let's read it. It says what? So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. See, I'm one who believes that God going to make my latter half better than my former half. How many of y'all got that same testimony? I believe I'm 55 now, and I believe my years that I got left are going to be better than the ones I've had up to this point. I, listen, guys, I will tell you that I thank God for how he's blessed me up to this point. Listen, I've, you know, if I were to die today, and I don't plan on doing it, but if I were to die today, listen, I haven't accomplished everything I want to accomplish, but I, but I feel fulfilled in that I, have, I serve a God, amen, the resurrected Savior who died on the cross for my sin. I thank God I've had the opportunity to preach and get people saved, but, 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 I, but, but if I were to die today, then I'd be in heaven with Jesus. But guess what? I got more time on earth. And I believe that my latter end is going to be better than my, my former. How many of y'all can, can, can have that testimony? I believe that with all my heart, mind, and soul. See, I don't believe that the older you get, the worse it's got to get. Hello, somebody. I believe that God wants to use us, amen, uh, to, to advance kingdom principles. And I am believing God to bless me with more than what I had before. He says, so the Lord blessed Job in his second half of his life even more than the beginning. For now he had what? 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. Look at that, look at that. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Wow, blessing his seed. Look, look at the next verse, it says what? He named his first daughter Jemima. Sound like a sister, don't it? Jemima. The second, I just, it just did to me. I don't know about you. I don't, don't mean anything disrespectful. I just, <laughs> it sound like a sister. Keziah. And the third, Karen Hopak. In all the land... <laughs> Well, watch this now, watch this now. Look, the Bible says this, look what, the, look what the text says. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughter of Joe. He got some cute, fine daughters, y'all. That's, that's doorology, okay? But that's what the text says, right? Look at it. Can you read it with me? In all of the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Keep reading to the end of the chapter. It says this. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, what, full life. When y'all have my funeral, how 30 years from now, or 40, <laughs> thank you, Sherry, 40 years from now, I want y'all to be able to say he lived a long, full life. Job, God restored to Job that which he had lost, amen, because Job was an upright man. He was, a, he was a man of truth. Now, again, look at your outline I gave you. Uh, the core principle that we gave you on Sunday was that God is our comforter. Everybody say, God is our comforter. Now, the story of Job demonstrates the blessings that flow when we trust in God and are steadfast in our faith because he, he, you know, Job was picked out to be picked on but he, you know, God knew something about Job. Job had some integrity on the inside that God said, I trust this man to stand firm in the face of uh, being attacked by the enemy. So, so Job, it demonstrates the blessings that flow when we trust God and are steadfast in our faith. God promises to hear the cry of the afflicted and is our omnipresent help in times of trouble. Go to Psalms 46 and 11 right quick. God is the ultimate comforter. Now, again, God will use us to comfort people and to show people that, we, that he really cares. But ultimately, don't forget this. The greatest comforter is God himself. All right? The greatest comforter is God himself. But he'll use us to show people that he really cares about them. Okay? Psalms 46 and 11 says, The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. God, the God of Israel is our fortress. Everybody say fortress. The God of Israel is our fortress. A fortress is, is, is something that, that, that protects or guards you. 
See, if God is our protector, he's our, he, if he guards us, that puts us in a place of comfort, a place of peace, right? If I know that God is my ultimate comforter. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter right quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number one. And we'll, we'll begin our reading at verse number uh, three. 2 Corinthians chapter number one. And we'll begin our reading at verse number three. Glory to God. So God is our comforter. Do not forget that. Amen. God is our comforter. So the text says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father. And look at what the text says. And the source of what? Okay. The, the source of all comfort. Okay. He's, he's the source of all comfort. So that, that, so I need to hang on to that because if I'm feeling uncomfortable, if I'm feeling like, uh, you know, things are, 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 are about to, to just go haywire, if I'm uh, full of depression and anxiety, I got to get back to my source of comfort. So God is my source. Now, again, I know some of, some, some of you have sitting out there maybe thinking that a person is your comfort. And so a mama or daddy, and thank God for mama, daddy, thank God for husband and wife, but guess what? Mom and daddy, husband and wife are not your source of comfort, true comfort. Here's why I'll I tell you that. Because, see, people will let you down. You can be comfortable. I, 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 can, I can call on some folks who, 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 who've had some guys in their life or some ladies in their life, and they thought that they were their comfort until they were not their comfort anymore. Until things went haywire, until they went the other way. And now, even though you may still be with that person, you, ain't even, you don't have no comfort and you ain't got no peace. But when you first met them, you thought they were your comfort. Listen, don't ever, child of God, forget that God is the one who brings comfort and peace into your life. Now, he, you know, listen, thank God for, for wives and thank God for husbands. Thank God for children, grandmamas and all those. But all of those are human beings. And fallible at that. And fallible human beings will let you down. Can I get a witness? Fallible human beings, if you got your trust totally in them and you're depending on them for your comfort and peace, will upset your apple cart. Okay? Now watch, look, look, look at verse number four. Let's read. It says what? He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort what? Others. Watch this. Read it out loud on purpose. He, what? He comforts us. Who does that? God is. Because the Bible said in that, in that previous verse that he's the source of our comfort, right? So he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can do what? Comfort others. So that means that we have a ministry. We have an obligation. We are to be the source or the vehicle or the vessel that God utilizes to help comfort others when they're growing, going through a time of turmoil or adversity. You see? So he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Watch that. Can we read it again? When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. As we ask this question, do you really care? I want you to hone in on this because if, if I don't, if I as a Christian don't recognize that God is the one who brings me comfort, and if I start depending on you or somebody else, I'm going to be messed up. Because the text says right here, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. But if we hadn't submitted ourselves to God, his word, his will, and his way, and we hadn't experienced the comfort of God, how are we going to give it to somebody else? How, how can we give to somebody else that which we don't have ourselves? We know that God is the source of our comfort because the Bible tells us that. But, but if we don't submit ourselves to his plan, his will, his way, and his word, then we won't experience that comfort. And because we haven't experienced it, we can't give it to somebody else. Look at the next verse, verse 5. Let's read it. It says what? For the more we suffer for Christ, watch this, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Let's read that out loud and on purpose, and I want you to let that sink down in your spirit and listen to what the Bible says here. Watch this. It says what? For the more 
we suffer for Christ. Now, don't just be out there suffering because you're doing something ignorant. Have any of y'all ever suffered because you, were, you did some ignorant stuff? Can I say it that way? Ignorant, stupid, dumb? I mean, all of us, if, we, if we're honest about it, have had some, some, some ignorant, stupid, dumb stuff that we've done. Some decisions that we wish we could have back. Right? Am I the only one? Come on. Am I the only one? Have, have, you, have you done some stuff that's ignorant that when you thought about it, you're like, you dig dummy. Watch this. It says, for the more we, watch this, for the more we suffer for Christ, all right, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. That means that, you know, as a born-again believer, when I yield my life to God and, and, and submit my, my, my ways to the word and the will of God and follow after Christ, and then when I suffer as a result of doing what Christ told me to do, then what the text says, God's going to shower me with more, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So guys, it's important that we understand this, that, that, that God's going to give us more comfort when we learn how to yield ourselves to him and allow him to use us and, 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 and for us to suffer with Christ. You know, it, the church nowadays, nobody wants to suffer anything. Nobody wants to go through anything. You know, probably the, the, the most that we get in America is being talked about, but some of y'all can't stand to be talked about anymore for the cause of Christ, I mean. So, so suffering, suffering, you know, when I suffer with him, I'm arraigned with him, but while I'm suffering with him and for him, God's going to give me, he's going to shower me more with his comfort through Christ Jesus. So understand that the more I yield myself to God's will and the more I suffer for Christ, the more God going to shower me with the comfort that he, he gives me through Christ. Y'all following that? I'm just reading to, reading to the word, okay? So, so that, that's, that's critically important for us to understand, okay? So, so God is our comforter. He, our comfort comes from him. He's our source. Do not depend on a person to give you comfort. I mean, in, in, in the sense of, you know, you think you can't go on with that person that's not there anymore. Don't ever get to that point to where your life depends on somebody else's life or depends on being with a certain person. Because y'all know the truth of the matter is that there have been, there have been times in probably all of our lives when we, we've had somebody uh, that we were connected with and we thought that we couldn't do without them being connected to that person, right? But now you're not connected to them, but you're still doing fine, right? Come on. You, you're still doing fine now, right? I mean, you're okay, right? You, 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 you hadn't lost your mind. You hadn't, you, you hadn't went and jumped in the river nowhere. But at that time, you thought that I can't live without this person. My happiness is tied to this person. Don't ever, don't ever tie your comfort and happiness to a person. You tie it to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Don't ever tie your comfort to a person. The Bible says, who's our comforter? God is. He's our comforter. So, all right, so don't, don't you come, don't, I don't want anybody walking around here talking about, you, you can't live without, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. I promise you, you can, because you're living without him now. All right? All right, so let, let's go, let's go to James, the fifth chapter right quick. James chapter five, okay? Are y'all still with me? All right, but, uh, but again, the guys, we're talking about, we said that God comforts us so that we can do what? Comfort others. Don't miss that. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. So that means that I am, you and I are on assignment from God. You and I have been graced with the comfort of God so that we in turn can pour into others. So that we can show that we really care. So that we can express that concern. Are you listening to me? Look at James, the fifth chapter, verse number eight. Watch the text now. Are y'all with me? Come on, let's roll. It says what? You two must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is what? It is near. Watch this. Next verse says what? Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be 
Judge, read that out loud and on purpose again. It says what? I stop. Stop. Now I want to know, how many of y'all been guilty of grumbling about each other? All right, all right. Just say, forgive me, Jesus. Yeah, say it one time. Say, forgive me, Jesus. I need, I need y'all to cleanse your soul tonight. <laughs> the text says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, born-again believers. How many times have you sat at home and had other church members for dinner with your mouth? Talking about fellow EBC nights. Yes, yeah, 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 uh-huh, yeah. The text says, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Next verse says what? For, example, for examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse 11 says what? We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. Is that right? Was he kind to him at the end? Double what he had before. Gave him three beautiful daughters, too, the Bible says. All right, you can see how, uh, the, and gave him uh, seven sons. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of what? Tenderness. And mercy. Yes, he is. I, I know that he is. How do you know, Pastor? Because I, I, I've tried the Lord. I know he is. He's, 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 been, he's, he's shown me mercy many a days. Go to Proverbs, the third chapter, verse number one through six. Let's move. So who is our comforter? All right, so he, he's the source of our comfort, right? And why does he comfort us? So we can comfort others. So that we can be in a position to comfort others in their time of need, in their time of distress, in their time of turmoil, okay? Now watch this. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands where? In your heart. Verse 2, let's read. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them where? Deep within your heart. In your heart, in your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. The KJV said you'll find favor with God and with man. See, when, when we learn how to be men of integrity, women of integrity, when we learn how to put God's word in our heart, then, then we can find favor not only with God, but God will give us favor with man. How many of y'all know favor is good? Have you ever went to a place of business and, and, and somebody showed you favor? I mean, gave you a little lanyap. Gave you a little extra. All right, did something for you that they didn't do for all the other first 100 customers that came in. But when you came in, favor was on your life. Favor is good, y'all. Is, is anybody in the house? Are y'all following me? Back up to the previous verse. Verse 3 one more time. Watch what the text says. Come, come, can we read together? It says what? Never let what? Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them what? Deep within your heart. Verse 4. Let's read. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Yes, you will. Look at the next verse. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Next verse says what? Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Yes, he will. He will show you which path to take. Go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse number six. God is our comforter. He's our comforter. All right? And watch this. Watch this. God is our comforter. Philippians 4. Uh, 6 through 9. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. All right, ready? Let's read together. It says what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Next verse. Then you will experience, watch this, God's peace. Guys, God's peace.
peace is awesome. God's peace will keep you when you're in the midst of some, some messed up stuff. When you're in the midst of some things that you don't quite understand. Have y'all ever been going through something that you didn't quite understand why you were going through what you were going through? Am I I, I the only one? But the text says, back up to the previous verse, go back to the first. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Next verse, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace exceeds anything we can understand. When his peace is resonating in your spirit, you don't even understand why you're not worried about it. When his peace is resonating on the inside of you, you can't understand why you you ain't flip wigging out. But it's because it's peace that goes and bypasses our little way of thinking about stuff. He says, it exceeds anything we can understand. Watch this. His peace will do what? It'll guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will do that, God. God is our comforter. And we need to know that. See, many of us don't have peace even in our homes or in our jobs because we hadn't recognized that God is our source for comfort. You think, you think, some of y'all think that removing your manager is going to be your source of peace on the job. If they just get rid of him, if they just move that principal, move that supervisor, move that, 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 that shift uh, worker that, that's over me, then I'll have peace. No, 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 no. You're, see, it, don't ma- it shouldn't matter who's over you. You ought to have peace because God is your comforter. All right? So quit looking at people. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. It says what? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Watch this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse 9, let's go. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Paul is telling the church at Philippi, hey, listen, do those, do those things you, you saw me do. You've seen me practice, okay? Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, do that. That's what he says, okay? All right, now, again, so, so the peace of God. Now, uh, look at the next bullet point. Regardless of people's situations and, and the reasons for their struggles, caring is about being compassionate and sharing hope and not passing judgment, Okay? When, when somebody's going through something, again, you know, yes, we ought to try to, you know, there, 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 there are some occasions where you have to figure out what's going on. But a lot of times it's, it's a matter of, of, uh, of showing that you really care, being, being there for that person. Uh, and uh, there's an appropriate time to, to try to help that person get out of that situation if, if, you, if you can provide some source of counsel to help that person. But by and large, when God pushing our spirit to go and help someone and care for them. It's about us going in and showing that we really love them and not about us trying to figure it out and fix everything. Okay? It's about showing God's love. Now, I'm, I, I told you uh, on Sunday something that we, I wrote this down for you because I thought it was so good. It was in our men's study book. Because when, when you're sitting there and, you, you've, and you're in a situation where you need to know that God really cares or you need to know that people care, but you're afraid to, to actually be open and transparent. One of the things we learned in our study is that we got to create a battle plan for dealing with those times when we feel that way. And, and, and the first thing we, the battle plan says is we got to admit the struggle. Most people won't admit that they're struggling. They, they'll, 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 they'll confine that thing to the inside, and they'll, be, they'll come to church and look okay on the outside. And they'll leave them lift up holy hands, they'll praise, and they'll even shout a little bit. But, but deep down inside, they're struggling. They're, they're, they're going through some stuff that, that's, that's causing them not to be okay. And so the first thing we got to do is we got to admit the struggle. We got to be willing to, to be honest and transparent with somebody uh, who, who, can, who can help us to so admit the struggle. What we learned was that, and I, I shared this on Sunday, 90, uh, it's called a 97% rule. 
here's what the 97% rule says. Um, most people will tell you 97% of the problem, but the 3% of it that's real deep and that's real is the real issue, people won't share that with you. Okay? They'll tell you 97% of what, what's going on, but the real issue and what's really bothering them or what's really got them caught up or what's really ha having them suffer or, or uh, falling into sin, a lot of people won't share that. They, they just won't share it because they, they feel like, you know, well, you know, if, if I if I do that, you're going to look at me differently. OK, uh, so but but when you when you when you are, are, are debt level honest, OK, about your struggles with one or more people who you can trust, it, it allows you to be able to experience that comfort that we're talking about, because when you when you learn to open up to people at a level where you can be honest with them and not have to put the mask on. Because how many of y'all know most people come to church wearing masks? I mean, you, you may not see it physically, but they, but they have that mask on, and, and they're going to show you what they think you want to see, right? And so what I'm saying is, is that in order to get beyond that mask and get to the real issue, to get to the real you and deal, deal with the real problem, you have to, number one, admit the struggle. Don't just tell folks the stuff that, that, that's on the surface. Go beneath the surface, okay? Uh, Second thing we, we discovered was we have to identify the lie. Identify the lie. But before we do that, go, go with me right quick, if you will. Go with me to, uh, let's, let's go to uh, James 5 and 16, and then we're going to look at Proverbs 28 and 13. James 5 and 16 right quick. Let the Bible speak, okay? James 5, verse number 16. It's on the screen. It says, what? confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. KJV says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person, a righteous man avails much. But I notice what it says. It says, now watch this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay, now watch this. So I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you confessed some sin to somebody? Well, you know, I just, I, I, I go to the Lord, between me and the Lord. What does this say? Now you've been struggling with that thing for five years and you keep going to the Lord, but you're still struggling with it. What does it say? Come on, let's watch. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Let, let it flow from your lips. Because many of you are sitting there and you know I'm telling the truth. Well, I just, you know, I just take to the Lord and pray and the Lord and I are going to deal with it. You know, sometimes you need somebody else to be praying in agreement with you. What's it say? Confess your sins just to the Lord. Come on, let's read it out loud on purpose. It's what? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Go to, go to Proverbs 28 and 13. All right, so that's something for you to chew on. Okay, you've been struggling with something, but you, you kept it to yourself. Is that what I want? Watch this. Look at, what, look at what the text says, okay? Can y'all read it with me? 28 and 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Can we read it again? People, you and I, EBC members, who conceal their sins will not prosper. Could it be that your prosperity is being held up because you're concealing your sin? I'm just saying. I'm just, because if, if the text says people who, if y'all believe the Bible, I, I want to know how many of y'all in here believe that the Bible is the word of God? All right, now. People who conceal their sins. When I prosper, you say, well, I know some pastor who, who 
See, see, prosperity, if you think prosperity is all just about money, you're sadly mistaken. All right? People conceal their sins when I prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, talking about born-again believers now, they will receive what? They'll receive mercy. Okay? Yes, they will receive mercy. All right. Um, so admit the struggle. Find somebody who you can who you can hold, who can, who, who you can be transparent and honest with and have them to pray for you and to pray with you. Somebody who's mature enough to not go. Oh, oh my God. I didn't. What's we going to do? No, no, you need to find somebody who's mature enough to say, you know, brother, okay, that's your struggle, okay? Thank, I thank God that you, that you open it up. Because, see, the first, the first key to getting free from something is to bring it out of the dark. If you hide it, he can't heal it. But if you uncover it, what do it do? He'll cover you. Y'all with me? See, when, when we, Satan loves darkness, and he's the king of darkness. And he wants you to keep that stuff in the dark. He wants you to tell them, he wants you to expose it, tell them about it. And there's so many people, so many families that have issues, and, and, and some of y'all are connected and covered in a relationship with people who, 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 who don't know how to handle stuff, and, and, and they just back up into a corner. And they stay in the dark, when really if they were to expose that stuff and have praying people praying for them, Born again believers who love God, who are sent, who have the comfort of God, because the comfort of God has been given to us so that we can do what? Comfort others. When those kind of people get on it and start praying, then we get breakthrough. But when we seal it or put it in the corner in the dark, Satan loves darkness. Don't tell nobody. You know, don't tell a soul. You and God can handle it. But I just read to you what this text says. It says, confess your sins. To, huh? Is that what it said? Y'all remember that, right? Okay. All right, so identify the struggle. All right. Number two, identify the lie. Admit the struggle. Identify the lie. Look at Proverbs 4 and 23. Come on. Proverbs 4 and 23. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So we, we discovered through the scripture that God is our comforter, right? And we discovered that he gives, let, let's back up, see if you remember. What brings on, what, what causes God to show us more comfort? No, 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 no. Yep, yep. What, what caused him to show us more comfort, remember? When we suffer for Christ. Y'all remember that? The text says when we suffer for Christ, then God brings us more comfort so that we can do what? Comfort others. So the reason why some of us may not have God's comfort is because we ain't never suffered for Christ. We ain't never did anything for Christ that caused us to suffer because we've been too afraid to be bold enough to say, for God I live, for God I die. And, and I'm standing up for God, right? I'm standing up for truth in this situation. I'm standing up for truth even though it makes my wife mad at me. I'm standing up for truth even though it makes my husband mad or my mama mad or my daddy mad. I'm standing on truth. Or I'm standing up for truth even though on the job uh, it may cause, uh, you know, someone uh, to, 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 to not think as highly of me as I, as, as I need for them to think of me. But let me tell you something right now. If you learn to stand for truth, God is able to see you through any precarious situation that you go through. Because God will honor truthfulness. Amen? So when we suffer for Christ, God, the Bible says God shows us more comfort so we in turn can show comfort to others. All right? Now watch this. Okay? Look at the text says in Proverbs 4 and 23. Let's go. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 20 and 4. Go to Proverbs 20 and 4. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 20 and 4. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Those too lazy 
It says those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. See, sometimes in our lives, guys, we, you know, we, we, we're, we're, we're looking for a harvest when we hadn't done the work. Hello. Sometimes we're looking for a harvest when we hadn't planted the seed. And, and, and part, of, part of our, you know, part of our uh, being, you know, identifying the lie is, is making sure that th this kind of contradiction doesn't, roll, doesn't, doesn't flow in our heart and our minds where we think that we, we, we don't have to put in the work and we still get the benefits. It says those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. And from a spiritual standpoint, what that means to us as, as Christians is, is that when, we, when we're looking for God's blessing, but we hadn't sold anything in, we can't expect to get those blessings. Are y'all with me? Go with me right quick to John uh, 8 and 12. John 8 and 12. Hurry, hurry. In other words, when I admit the struggle, see, the devil will tell us a lie. The devil will tell us, or even our flesh will, will tell us stuff that, that's not true. So you got, to, you got to identify the lie. Go below the surface and identify the lie that's seducing you. The lie that you're believing at the core of your heart. Okay? We talked about this, guys, last Saturday. We said, remember that all idols overpromise and underdeliver. Okay? So what's, how is this idol duping you? Some of y'all have made your, your spouse your idol. You've made your job your idol. You've made different stuff for your idol. Okay? All right. So look at the text. says right. John 8 and 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, what does it say? You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, read it again. I am, what does it say? I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. He's the light of the world, guys. And if we follow him, we won't, we, we, we won't, we won't be duped by the lie. So first of all, you got to identify what lie are you telling yourself? What lie is the devil telling you? The enemy will tell you all kinds of lies. He told Eve a lie in the garden. How many of y'all have been lied to and, and, and swallowed it? Huh? Hello? The grass is green on the other side. Till you get over there and find out it's artificial turf. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you a cow, and you see that green grass over there, and you get over there and discover it's artificial turf. Mm. She looked pretty on the other side till you got over there and she pulled off all the makeup. <laughs> what lie have you believed? Huh? Looked pretty on the other side. He looked like he was prospering. Looked like he, yo, he driving a nice car. But when you got over there, you found out he ain't had nothing. He was mortgaged to the hilt. Didn't pay his bill, but he dressed sharp. All your friends told you he got plenty of money, baby. He ain't had nothing. What lie have you been following? Identify it. Can lastly replace it with truth. Because if you don't replace it, once you call that lie out and get straight, you got to replace it with something because not like the pastor says that when, when one demon is cast out, if you don't, if, if you don't replace it, seven, seven more will come right back in and take his place. So replace with the truth. Okay. And that truth is the truth and the, uh, of grace and forgiveness that's in Christ Jesus, the, the promises of the scripture, replace the lie that you've been told by the enemy with the promises of the word of God. Amen. All right, look, look, look with me right quick. Uh, just, I'm not going to read all this because I don't have time, but, uh, but y'all go back and, and, and look at these scripture references, okay? Go to Psalms 119, 
verse 9 through 11 with me. Okay? All right, so we've been talking about God is our comforter. And we discovered that God gives us more comfort when we suffer for Christ. Not suffer because we did something wrong or did something crazy or we suffering because we made a bad choice or a bad decision. But we're suffering because we are, we're rolling with Jesus Christ Jesus. God brings us more comfort. And he uses that comfort for us to comfort other people. Uh, it says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. How can a young person stay pure by obeying what? Your word. Verse 10 says what? I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. Verse 11. I have hidden your word where? In my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. See, taking God's word and not only just hearing it with your head, but hiding it in your heart acts as a fortress or a protection mechanism to keep you and I from falling and wallowing in sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Look at verse 105 of that very same chapter. Let's see what it says. Psalms 119, verse 105. So in other words, you have to identify the lie and then replace it with truth. The truth of God's word, the promise of God's word. It says, your, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to do what? Guide my feet and a light for my pathway. Okay? Your word is. So, replacing that lie with the truth of God's word. Go, to, go with me, if you will, uh, to Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. Hurry, hurry. Y'all still with me? So God is our comforter, right? Proverbs 7 says what? Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. What, is it, what, what, what are we going through? What am I trying to drive home with these scripture references? In other words, if we're going to be in a position where we're walking with God and we're not believing the lie that the enemy or, our, or we tell our own selves, and if we're going to be in a position where we're, we're pleasing God, then putting his word deep within our heart has a way of keeping us straight. In other words, if I learn to hide his word in my heart, the psalmist said it'll keep me from sinning against God. So that's why we come to the Bible so that we learn principles and truths of God's word and we place them in our heart, not in our head. Because if, if it's just in your head, what will the enemy do? The enemy will come and attack you in your thought life and you don't have that word down in your heart, it's in your head, and then he'll show you something that, that, that if you're not careful, will cause you to disbelieve the words in your head. But once you get it in your heart, down in your spirit, you you you, you hell to be reckoned with. Because you're not going to let it go. Because no matter what he says up here, it's in your heart. So get the word down in your heart. Believe it with everything in you. And I promise you that word, when, when, when you're tempted, that word will rise up and it'll keep you from falling into sin. Okay? Y'all with me? All right, let's, let's go one more. Let's go to Romans. Go to Romans, the eighth chapter right quick. Romans chapter eight. And let's look at uh, verses five and six. Romans chapter eight, verses five and six. All right, now watch, watch what it says here. Listen, listen very carefully. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So he, how can you tell if you're dominated by the sinful nature? Just sit, Sit down and evaluate, what do I think about? What's, what's, what's sort of a constant in my mode of thinking? Am I, am I thinking about sinful stuff all the time, or do I think about godly stuff? Do I think about God's will for my life? What's his purpose? What's his design? If you don't ever think about that kind of stuff, check yourself. And you've and you got to be honest with yourself now. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about when you're away from church, not here. What do you think about? Is it just sports? 
Is it just work? Is it just money? Or do you ever have this thought, God, what, what's your plan for my life? God, what do you want? What, how do you want to use me this week to impact somebody else's life? Oh, God, what, what is it about me that I need to change? Show me myself, God. Do you ever have those kind of conversations? Or is your thought life all about what the man doing to me? Is it always about, you know, um, you know sports? And, and, and I like sports like anybody else, but, but I can't make sports my God. Okay? Uh, is, it, is it, you know, is it, you know, what do you think about? Look at what the text says. One more time. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about, so think about your thought life. Are you thinking about sinful stuff all the time? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit do what? Think about things that please the Spirit. All right, so you, gotta, you need to evaluate what you think about. Think about what you think about, okay? Verse number six, that's what? So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your finances. It'll, it'll kill your health. Yeah, it will. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace, okay? Yes, it will. Yes, it will, okay? Y'all with me? Okay, so, so admit the struggle, identify the lie, replace it with truth. Now, key points. This is where we, you know, we're going to close on this. Be loving and kind, okay? Our presence, again, we talk about God giving, God is comforting us when we suffer for Christ so that we can comfort others. And while we're comforting others, we must understand that we've we got to be loving and kind. If you're going to go help somebody and care for somebody, don't go there and looking all mean and crazy. What y'all done done now? Come on now. You're there to comfort. And so it says be loving and kind. Our presence is often the best present we can offer. Sometimes it's not about what, 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 you, what you're going to say. And, and again, when, you, when you're a minister or whoever, uh, ministers have to be very careful because ministers sometimes think that they got to have a word. Some deep word to tell somebody. Sometimes it just matters you just being there, holding their hand and praying for them, and just giving them a hug. Say, man, listen, I, 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 I can't, I can't pretend to understand what you're going through right now, but brother, I'm here to help you. I mean, you don't have to have anything deep to say. You don't have to have a theological discussion. Just be there, okay? Caring is about encouraging, consoling, and sympathizing with people, okay? While God can use us as his instruments, listen to me carefully, while God can use us as his instruments, it's not our responsibility to try to fix the situation. And that's where a lot of us get in trouble. We're trying to fix something that really, you know, it ain't up to us to fix, okay, on the back. Understanding is irrelevant in caring. Remember I told you that sometimes people try to empathize, they try to understand what, how that person putting themselves in the other person's shoes, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we, we don't have to get in somebody else's shoes to help them. So trying to understand is not, is not our assignment. Our assignment is to show that we care. People often put tremendous effort into thinking that they can figure things out. Okay? God, however, wants people to seek the master, not mastery. Not, not trying to figure out, understand, and get all the answers, but seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Okay? Um, so, 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 so guys, uh, when we go back, uh, let's think about, as I get ready to close the core principle, how does that resonate with the, the, the core principle that God is our confidence? How does that resonate with you? What is, Cassandra, when you hear that God is our comfort, what, what does that bring to your mind? Talk to me. When you think about God being your comforter. Someone you can confide in, someone you can go to, someone that's always there for you. Hey, can y'all turn that, turn that mic on for me? Okay. okay. Um, I forgot all I said. <laughs> this mic scared me. Uh, okay, what's the, number one, what is the point in having a comforter? Um, Someone you can confide in, someone you can go to, someone you can trust, 
-hmm. someone you can tell everything to. Um, so when it says that God is our comforter, um, to me it's more of a a prayer within itself, a prayer language within itself. Mm -hmm. Even when you don't know how to pray, mm -hmm. the spirit can pray. And being a comforter, you can release unto him. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, following. So, so if you put God in that place. Rather than people. Rather than people. Okay. It will, it will save. Save. 